0: This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Beth Fred. We're in Newcastle that Robbie Davis Jr. Lewis did some workout with me on the bill. Ted Cheeseman. Ted, thank you very much for joining us. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, just, just really excited to get the Saturday night and getting a really good business. Now, you're involved in this weekend what people are saying could be one of the best domestic fights of the year. British title there. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald told me about how easy it was to make that fight and, and your decision behind taking that fight as well.
1: Uh, just being really confident, I'm confident I'm going to win a fight. Fitzgerald's a big, uh, really good fighter, but as long as I turn up on the night and perform, I'm going to win. And um, I think it's that reputation now. We're both good fighters. I'm always in big, good, fi- good fights lately. Like the last two years I've been in big, big fights. And it's just, it's just, it just happens naturally now. I, I'm game, I, I'm up for the big fights, I like the big fights. That's what gets me excited, that's what makes me train hard. And I'm just looking forward to Saturday now.
0: You mentioned you've been in some big fights in the last couple of years. We've seen you in with Byfield, the Garcia fight as well, and even through Conway. Where do you rank the man we see in the ring now, Scott Fitzgerald, among those you fought? Where do you put him?
1: Um, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's hard. Until you've been in a ring with someone, you can't really tell. But look, I've, I've been fighting a lot of good fighters, and I think all that experience will count on Saturday night.
0: Now you've had your ups and your downs, both in and away, in and out of the ring, should I say? Uh, the Garcia defeat coming back, Conway against Kieran Conway, a fight I know you thought you won, got the draw there, retained the British title. Saturday night, are you seeing this as a big opportunity against a very credible fighter to put that all to rest and move on with a big win?
1: Yeah, 100%. That's the main focus. To get all the rest forgotten about, going do the business Saturday night, and I'm back on top of the domestic scene, and everyone will be back um, believing in me and. All the big fights will come then, but the main focus is winning Saturday night, but it's going to be
0: a great fight. Now, as mentioned, you got the British title. The European title quest wasn't successful. That said, if you come through Scott Saturday night, not long left to go until you can keep that British title. Is it on your mind to win that British title out right now?
1: Yeah, 100%. There's massive domestic fights. Me, Andy Fowler, Fitzgerald, Metcalf, Conway, Egerton. These are all massive fights. They're bigger than the fights that are going to be at European le- level. So right now, that's the sort of fights I'm looking at. But right now, the only fighter I'm thinking about is Scott Fitzgerald. Uh,
0: talk to me about Cam Ted. What sort of things have you been working on going into the second half of the year in the gym since coming back from that Conway draw? What, how are you feeling at the weight as well in and around the gym?
1: Yeah, I've made the weight the best I've ever made it this time, because I've been fully focused. I ain't had no distractions. I've not been um, silly outside of the ring, you know what I mean, outside of the gym i've just been focused on boxing and that's the main thing i'm mentally fresh i'm in a great mindset at the moment and i'm so happy to be here sometimes on fight week i haven't really been caring about the fight i've been thinking about other stuff but now right now my main thing is to make sure i shine on saturday night
0: a lot of attention on this fight there's gonna be nine thousand people in there i believe saturday night live on sky sports what does a win do for your career right now in a fight of this magnitude
1: it puts me back where i need to be plus even more ahead because Look, I was, I've been there, I've got, as just say, I've had Mark and Dan, but this is the main main thing now. The, it shows how good of a fighter you are to go from being Dan to come back up, and when I come back up, I can't wait to get the
0: credit I deserve. Ted, before I let you go, I've got you get your prediction on the main event. Robbie Davis Jr, Lewis Ritson, Bill Label, Bad Blood. There's been a few altercations along the way, a fight a lot of fans are excited for. How do you see the fight unfold and who are you leaning towards? Um, to be honest, I, I'm so
1: 50-50. They're both good fighters. Um, Ritson comes forward, Robert Davis is, can have a fight but he's more on the back foot. It's a, it's a good clash of styles and I, I
0: can't really pick a winner right
1: now.
0: Hey, three, three days to go Ted, I'm going to let you go but before I do, what do we see from yourself Saturday night? Final prediction, what can the fans expect to see from Ted Cheeseman? A great performance and a guaranteed win. Ted, thank you very much, for will see you at the press conference.
2: Coogan Cassius, IFL TV, MTK Global in Newcastle. You might recognise him, he used to fight. Do you yeah. still fight? I get well, confused. You know, What's going on?
3: I uh mercenary these days. Just yeah. uh, you know, fishing about, keeping fit. You never know when the phone may ring and um, the heavyweight division is, is rife with fights that can, you know, set me and future generations of the Allen family up for good, so uh no, realistically,
4: so we can fight small
3: power wall bots again. If they won't,
4: I, I, I won't. Do You know, like I
2: should be interviewing you. you. Look, see, this is where you start becoming a bit of a media whore, when you have to walk past, get yourself in shot. I used to do this. I stopped doing it now. Then we made it now, I haven't seen. Haven't made it yet, but you know. We're getting there. So do you know, like during your career, you've retired like about fourteen times, yeah. Uh, do you not think it's a good idea? Maybe just what, to say, do you know what? I'm just gonna have a little bit of time out and see what happens.
3: You know what? I reti- you know before obviously I got onto TV and in the big fights and whatever else. I retired more then than I do now. Like when I had like two, three pro fights, I was always like, oh, I'm not boxing. I don't want to box anymore. It's not a case of. Uh, <laughs> it's not a case of. Uh, <laughs> it's not a case of. Um,
2: he only come because you were fighting. Bought ticket. Uh, you might uh, have to that, refund gosh, him. Uh,
3: it's not a case of doing it because the people, I have always done it. I'm very up and down character, I've always been the same. Um, that's just what I am and that, so I can't, I can't change that. And I always say to people, I can't apologise for what I am because I can't really, I would like to change, but, and it'd be easier it's for nothing me. to
2: really change, I don't think. I just think like.
3: I'm just a very, um, thank you, mate, cheers. Oh, thank you. Sorry. No, but when
2: you have points of your life where you're questioning whether you want yeah. to be in the sport, Let's just take some time out.
3: You know what, it's not. I don't question uh, if I want to be in the sport or not. I question uh, just question everything, you know. And boxing's always took the brunt of it, you know. But as is life, it doesn't matter. Last week it's been and gone now, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy today. So when I'm happy, I just... You know, like, like when I used to um, speak to my me, me mum and, and uh, my partner at the time, and I used to, and I used to do things and little bits of you know self harm and obviously other things and you know I, I, I wouldn't speak to anyone at that time and then in the in the days after they'd be like well let's go and see somebody now why well, do want to go and see somebody now I, mean, I can't I can't put across and I can't put across how I'm feeling right now so like now when you say why do you do this I don't know because I'm not in that mindset but when I'm in that mindset I can't even talk so. It's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult one. I know I know it, it, it will seem foolish and childish, and that's because I'm foolish and childish. <laughs> and that's why. So uh, I can't change. I'd like to sometimes, but I can't.
2: Shout out, Andy Scott.
3: Yes, Andy, yeah, senor platt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, only real boxing people will know exactly what you were talking about They then. will get that, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Dave, okay. So, this situation regarding Dubois and Frank Warren and yourself, it's like one of the most open public forum discussions I think there's been in a long time, considering this sort of stuff is probably meant to be kept behind yeah. the scenes. But there was kind of comments from yourself, the and then Frank put out a, a, a statement the other day about your response to the offer, and etc. etc. So, can you kind of Break it down. I'll
3: tell you, start to finish, because I'm always in an open book, and sometimes that's a, pro- <laughs> that's a massive problem. But basically, my mate wanted to go to Warrington and she took it. So I was like, Look, we'll go. Try to get some tickets, but fine, I don't want to pay that. So I said, You know what? Two birds, one stone. i thought I'd like another, i out that on the board, I'll try and get the fight, because I like the British title, be good money, in, and I just thought, You know what? I didn't get it like that, and I thought, you know what, let's just, <laughs> let's just do it. And I got two free three ringside tickets as well.
2: Hold on a minute, so you initially thought, hang on, why don't I call out Daniel bar and the way to do it is to also get myself a couple of free tickets well, mate, to everyone on the show. show. It's a
3: good way of doing it, yes. Yeah, so I got some tickets sorted. No, but I wanted the fire as well, but obviously, oh, right, okay. that's sweetened the deal a bit. Yeah. So anyway, I'm a little bit naive still, in terms of what you can, yes, mate, how are you doing? All right. Come on. Sorry, Kevin. Come on, mate, you're so, all right. no um, so, so, uh, so I went and I had a figure in my mind yet, yeah, the David Price figure. I thought, get that, boom. So anyway, I went there, I spoke to Frank. Said, look, this is this is what they offered me. He went, look, we can offer you X amount. I'm not going to go into. Yeah, of much. course. I'm not, yeah, and of I, course. And it, and it was it was a lot lower than I'd already been told previous what I could get for it. So I left and I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. That's fine. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight in December anyway because I won't be ready. Um, not for Daniel Dubois. Cause I think he's a fantastic effort. I think he's the best heavyweight prospects on the planet. But anyway, so then what happened is I went home and they kept ringing front one of us office kept ringing, oh, like, oh look, we wanna look we'll fear this a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah. Then Eddie rung me, Darren rung me. No, Darren rung me first after he spoke to Eddie and said look this is what this is look, this is what you need to ask for. I said, right, I'll go and ask for that. Ask for that back and forwards with the Frank Warren team. Oh by the way, fantastic. Nice bunch, great bunch of people, George, Francis, all of them, fantastic with me. I, I really like him. and I, I like to think they like me as well. So anyway, so the top and bottom of it is, I went back with like a mad obscene officer so look, you want in December, you're going to pay me this because that's what Eddie said. Pass the book.
2: <laughs> Do you know what? I know you're not going to tell me, but I'd love to know what the mad obscene offer was. Right. But-
3: no, but you know what? In all fairness, they came back with an offer.
2: Can I say one thing to you? Yeah. If you're saying it's a mad, obscene offer, it suggests that perhaps you were outpricing yourself.
3: No, no, no. To find Daniel on the Wire, you need to, yes, Paul, you need to put in a mad, obscene offer. Because that's what okay, you need. Okay, will the Wire in December could retire me. So give me my retirement fund, please. Do you know what I mean? As simple as that. But uh, so I just said. I think it's mad and obscene, Eddie, that's what Eddie calls fair. The amount of money that he's on about that, like, I'm, I'm talking like I could buy like a street in Doncaster and have some change left for like a four horses or something. So, um, okay. you know, it, it, it was the, it's the going rate. And then I was educated on what certain fighters are getting, spoon for example, and what David Price may be getting for Tesora And I thought fucking hell, I'm getting fucking short change left, right and center here, my career. So you know what, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm done with being shortchanged. I'll just sit down and wait and get to their week job. in the meantime.
2: So, officially now you can say that you've, point blank, you've refused? No, I didn't refuse it. You've turned it down for, no, no, for didn't December? No, I it down.
3: Last thing what? I said to uh, George Rowan on the phone was, that's what I want, if you can get me that, we'll do it in December. If not, we won't. Mm. I'll come back in, yes.
4: You
3: I'm I'm come in.
2: Come However, in. Come in. what I did my see, Big gave you the fantastic. biggest of the Eddie. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you. How are you,
5: alright? I'm alright, yeah, I'm
6: too
2: bad. Have you done an interview? I'm
5: in mean love with you, because when I finished, i seen you go, you
2: know, are. Uh, we we weren't talking about you, we were talking oh. about something
6: else being a bit like
3: that. Oh, alright. Okay, you were oh. fantastic. Oh, thank
6: you very
5: much for
2: that. Thank you Oh, wait to the camera. Awesome. Alright. So anyway. I'm not sure I, I understood a of that, like, but. Northern talk, you know, it's that, it's that
3: punch-trunk Northerner yeah. talking, but, but anyway, yeah, so I went back and for the first time in my career, in my Whoa. life, actually, I'm listening to Eddie and Darren and, you know, and they put that little statement out on Twitter, Frank, and I really enjoyed it, I thought that's a really good statement, but
2: that's their side, and they've got a, a right to kind of respond to your comments as well, yeah, yeah, which no, is fair enough. Yeah,
3: you know that horrendously low offer? Yeah. I think it was a tweet, I didn't even say it, just Nerd, I, it, and I, like, I think
2: you did say it somewhere because yeah. I, I I saw that somewhere.
3: There's never, you know what, with mean, There's never any hard feeling, I just say I just say what's on my mind. Everything comes out like right now, and maybe I should keep but it in my car.
2: Would you say that for the potential date in December to fight Dubois is dead in the water now for December?
3: Unless they unless they come back to agree to my offer.
2: Your obscenely high offer. You
3: know what. Well, yeah, they could have gotten me a lot cheaper if they'd agree to what I said at first. <laughs> Every phone call I received from Edna well, is gone fair up enough, a little listen, bit. if
2: You, you believe you're worth, but they, they also they run a business and they, they see the worth in the fight. Yeah. They're worth in the fight.
3: Yeah, if they don't think I'm worth that, then that fight don't happen. Mm. If I think I'm worth more than what they offer, the fight don't happen and vice versa. So, <laughs> all the respects in the world for that outfit. I think they're fantastic, that outfit. I think they're close second to match room, obviously. I was going over to BT. People say, oh, BT, you can't work BT And Eddie, why not? Eddie genuinely just wants to see me uh, make the most out of boxing. They want to put the best fighters on the can. That's it. I don't don't give a fuck about team, this team. It's about doing what's best for me. It's about, and we're all trying to do the best for ourselves because it's a fucking dog-eat-dog business. I don't believe it's a dog-eat-dog world because I don't like to live like that. But in terms of business, that's what this is. That's what it is. So it's not happening anyway, unless they want to pay me.
2: I'm surprised you weren't offered to you actually at four days' notice. Uh, that yeah, seems like. Wow, well, wow. Well. Well. Would have been well.
3: Eddie said he could have got me, but he liked me too much.
2: <laughs> Are you serious?
3: Yes, yeah, I could. I, the thing where I'm at right now, 17 5 and 2. That Lucas Brown wins doing me some favours, you know. <laughs> Obviously, the former world champion. What if or you put,
2: pushed on with that and said, I want him?
3: You, say, Yeah. I don't want him.
2: No, but no. if you had.
3: No, I'm not daft, you know. Devoir's. I think he. I think it. I think with my knowledge of boxing, whatever I know, I think he was a form. I think he's a future um, champion of the world. You know, one day, but we don't know yet. Like, that's not a fact. He is what he is. I think. He, I think he's extraordinarily good already. But Usyk is that. Usyk already is it. So I'm not in that league. So I wouldn't boxing. Certain fighters I don't box. So I can't be. But Eddie
2: possibly is mind toyed with the no, idea.
3: I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> he said he liked me too much. So. Um, well, I guess that's where I'm at now. You know, I'm, uh, we've got all these journeymen week in, week out fighting because they're not good enough to go to the next level. I'm like domestic level. I'm not good enough to go to the next level, so I'm a journeyman to the stars, essentially. That's why, uh, at this point, that's what I am. And who knows, maybe one day I'll put together a good camp and my night the stars will align one more time and I'll beat one of them, who knows? And if I don't, I don't, but I'll get paid well and people should worry less. I'm not punch drunk. My tongue is absolutely massive, <laughs> but uh, this is life, we're all enjoying it, time to time. Good.
2: Alright, well, listen, I know you want to get on and watch the boxing, I've dragged you from your ringside seat. Second row, sorry.
3: I'm like, I'm on the other side, but I don't going to go see any and make sure we're friends.
2: <laughs> Alright, well listen, if uh, if I see you two standing together, I'm going to uh... I just
3: want to say big up matchroom promotion. Big up Queensland promotions, let's all work together. Let's get the fighters on, we all want to see. And why not? Like I want to see him in the Dubois. I'm not, I'm not a matchroom star, he's a Queensman star. Why can't they get some of their fighters in with some of... I want to say some of yeah, ours. I don't give a fuck who's signed with who. I'm not signing with, with anyone, like. I work with them, I work with him, I work with him. Let's just you get work this.
2: with IFL? Work with
3: IFL? You know, I work with anybody, if it's so alright, so let's just... Uh,
2: it's all about enjoying ourselves, isn't it? Wherever that may happen. Dave Allen, thanks so very much Talk to IFL TV and um, yeah, we'll catch up soon or we'll later, do. whenever.
3: Great show tonight, by the way.
2: Cheers, mate. I don't know why I'm saying cheers. But I'll put it on. But. You're welcome.
0: This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in Association with Betfred. we just concluded the Open Workout ahead of Robbie Davis Jr. against Lewis Ritson Saturday night in Newcastle. With me, Neil Fannin. Neil, thank you for joining me.
4: How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Very good.
0: Now, as mentioned, we just concluded the Open Workout. A typical fight week, there's not too much to do after you've tapered down in the gym. A nice distraction
4: for yourself and Lewis ahead of Saturday. Yeah, it just breaks the day up. We've been, you know, just you just sitting about and resting, so it breaks the boredom and he gets to see a few of his fans.
0: Now I'm going to come on to Lewis's move to you full time and what that's done, etc. But I wanted to just start off by asking you: Is this, in your opinion, the right fight at the right time for Lewis to show himself at 140 pounds and show what you guys have been working on?
4: Yeah, it's a good fight. You know, it's it's got a tag a world title eliminator and. But in my eyes, it's a good domestic fight. Now, as mentioned, Lewis made that move full time to work with yourself.
0: Before that, he was sort of between going back, working with Dave a bit, coming, working with yourself over in Hartlepool. I've been over and seen where you guys are training. He's over there full time, away from any distractions. There, full time for training. Have you seen the benefits of that with Lewis over the last few months, being there and being able to work with yourself day
4: and day out? Yeah, uh, uh, it's made a massive difference. You know, out of all the distractions of of home and you know like so all he's got to do really is train and listen to me you know like just and uh, so I think you'll see the benefits on Saturday. Now when we spoke a few months ago I
0: found it interesting that you said to me going into that Patera fight which was just about a year ago Sort of saw it coming in a way that you know, not necessarily that he was going to get beat, but there would be some sort of slip up with the way things were going. Now he's had that change. Do you think he needed that change, and he needed to come in and focus himself
4: full time in one place? Yeah, I really believe that. You know, it's um, I, I thought he just still had enough to beat Patera, and he was fractions away from beating him. You know, and uh, but I did I did know that uh, when you move up in levels, you know. It, it makes a difference, and you can't cut corners like he's been cutting. So I, uh, he needed to make the move. Now, obviously,
0: I'm not going to sit here and ask you to break down your whole game plan going into Saturday. That would be foolish. That said, would it be stupid for us to assume that we're going to see Lewis just come forward and march him down? Would that be a foolish thing to
4: assume? You know, when he come to me, or when, when I first used to be involved with him, you know, I tried to show him a few tricks and tell him you know, about boxing. And uh, but I do believe he was a little bit one dimensional because it was working you know like he just got on you until you submitted but you know I told him that about levels in boxing and he knows now but it's like the way he boxes is ingrained in him I don't have to say to him do this and do that because we've been doing it for nearly a year now over and over and over it's, it's, it's his style so you know like he has different plans now, and we, we spar different fighters, and, and he's, everything's varied. It's not, he, he spars a lot of people who don't suit his style of just walking forward, and so he's adapted his style to suit everybody else now, so I think you'll see a big difference. And we saw him last time out box a little bit more than we're conventionally used
0: to. Saturday night, going to be a crowned arena, the majority cheering for Lewis. It'll be a very emotional atmosphere, I think it's fair to say. How important is it that he listens to your instructions, sticks to the game plan
4: and doesn't get carried away or try and get in any sort of tear-up like we've seen at times in the past? Well, I must admit, that's the only, that's the only thing I could say, you know... Hopefully I've got control of and if we were fighting in Liverpool I'd have had a lot more confidence about having control, but you know at the end of the day He's that fit now and the difference in him in the last 12 months Strength and conditioning and the difference we've all we've done making the weight and everything properly You know I have no doubt he couldn't just start at round 1 and keep going till round 12 i have no doubt whatsoever you know just so like that's that's not really a plan in a way just a street fight for 12 rounds but if need be can do it
0: You've mentioned the strength and conditioning there and the difference you've seen when he was struggling to make lightweight towards the end of that, that ring, so to speak, people were commenting about how hard it looked for him to make the weight, how he looked on the scales, his punch resistance to the body. Now he's moved up to 140,
4: you've mentioned the strength and conditioning. Are you seeing a different fighter in the gym as well? Do you think he's much stronger that weight? Completely different. You know, I took him 12 months ago to get Dextro scanned and, uh, and they the record the, uh, the outline of your body. and and the man's amazed now at the outline like the muscle definition and the muscle mass on his body compared to before you know like he made the weight and he struggled to make lightweight but you know he's moved up five pounds and now he's making the weight properly five pound heavier so he's got all that extra to play with with muscle and not nothing else you know so it's um, it's a massive difference you know a massive difference now, one of your fighters, I wanted to ask you about Neil, Tommy Ward. I've just spoken to him over there. He's been keeping busy this year. He had
0: that big fight in the States last year. He's just sort of waiting his turn for a world title shot. In your mind, going into 2020,
4: is he ready for that world title shot? Yeah. I, um, and I like uh, We've spoke to uh, um, MTK Global, and, uh, and I know they'll deliver a one in the new year. They're going to keep us busy another fight this year, and then in the new year, they'll deliver a world title fight. Is there any preference on champions at that weight? No, you know, like, it's... You could look at different ones and and think, but we just want any, you know, like, we'll be grateful for any... uh, And and no doubt, if somebody was going to give you a voluntary, it's a one you wouldn't want in in some senses, but you've got to take the opportunities when you get them, and uh, he's ready now for anybody. Just to touch on you personally, Neil, I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I read somewhere that not too long ago, a couple of years ago,
0: you were considering just walking away from boxing. You're a bit out of love with boxing. Now you've got the likes of Tommy around, Lewis there sort of building towards big fights and being involved in a big fight this Saturday. Do you feel rejuvenated from a personal point of view as well?
4: Yeah, it, uh, the only thing what would ever uh, made me walk away from boxing is not, not uh, because I didn't want to train anybody. The politics of boxing, it's like Tommy Ward, you know, he's he winning and uh, he's going out to purse bids for different fighters, them pulling out and we couldn't make no headroom and I just, I thought, you know, it's, it's a no-win situation. I thought I was sick of it, you know, just the politics. But um, since we've signed with MTK Global, everything seems to have, uh, have changed, you know. They, they've got that many fighters, they have to have power in the world.
0: Right, Neil, before I let you go, final word, what do we see from Lewis Ritson Saturday night at the Newcastle
4: Arena? I really believe, I really believe, and if I'm shooting myself in the foot, it's Lewis Ritson's coming out party. Skill-wise, fitness, strength, everything, you'll see, you know, as uh, and one thing about Lewis Ritson, it's like, it's easy to talk, it's easy to say things, Lewis Ritson will refuse to get beat, because... For, for 12 weeks now, all we've talked about is refusing to get beat. All right, Neil, a pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Speaking about Boxing Social. This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred we're in Gateshead we've just concluded the final press conference ahead of Robbie Davis Jr versus Lewis, Rit- Lewis Ritzen, rather, Saturday night with me Lewis how are you mate?
5: Twice in one week can't I believe it well um, I'm the big time aren't I you know what I mean you've come to twice in a week so happy days no but we're good we're just ready to rock and roll now
0: can't seem to get away from me at the minute. I just wanted to talk about the response today. Obviously, packed house here at the stage for this press conference. Overwhelming response to tickets. Almost every fighter up here, including yourself, said, if we could have had more, we would have sold more. Huge response from the North East for this one.
5: Yeah, massive. You know, we've done 2,000 tickets. Probably could have done a bit more. Well, we could have done with I've got still people shouting and screaming for tickets, but sadly, we can't get any. So it's, it's nice that everyone's sent a good amount of tickets and there'll be good support for everybody. And it's going to be some atmosphere there Saturday night.
0: All the comparisons today were boxer V puncher, Robbie Davis the boxer against Lewis Ritten the puncher. Lazy comparisons in your mind, give you know people not rating Robbie's power but also sleeping on your boxing ability.
5: Yeah a bit but I've had that from day one so it doesn't really bother me and Robbie seemed to get a little bit of a fettle when they were didn't class him as a bit of a puncher but uh, do you know we, I know I can box, I know I've got the skills so if people don't want to mention it, then that doesn't bother me. I know myself I can do it, so we'll just wait and say Saturday night.
0: It's interesting, both yourself and Robbie today, we're not talking about physical preparation, etc. It was about mental preparation. Him, it was about coming into the lion's den and being able to deal with that. With yourself, it was about having all those fans behind you. We spoke of the emotion in the arena when we were caught up earlier in the week. Do you feel, after that Patera experience, that atmosphere and some of the big nights you've been involved in, you can deal with that a lot better now going into this?
5: Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, I probably needed that Patera, the Patera, to you know, how to get, get a hold of it and get a grip of it, which, which I believe I'll, I'll firmly do on, on Saturday night in there. Uh, you know, the difference is with Robbie, he'll have everyone Bill I'll have everyone Sharon. so it's two totally different mindsets, and uh, we'll just see how the fight unfolds on Saturday.
0: I spoke to Fano yesterday, didn't interview Neil, he told me when we were talking about your discipline and the game plan, he said, a hit for a 12-round f- tear-up, if we want a tear-up, we'll have a tear-up. Would you be surprised if game plans went out the window?
5: I would be surprised, you know, with a bad blood, I think, you know, we could just chuck it and go, right, come on then, but, you know, Fano's training is as hard as he's ever trained anyone, he knows I'm ready for a 12 round tear up and, and no doubt Robbie will be as well, I think the first cut rounds probably will be cagey but I think if game plans are out the window and we'll go for a tear up I, I do honestly believe it two other lands lines first and they'll want to be going over
0: We know it's going to be WBA final eliminator now, Josh Taylor just Prograde winner, uh, will hold that belt, huge incentive, we spoke of that dangling carrot but that, that, that's that got to play a big part, a huge incentive for yourself going into Saturday night.
5: Yeah, well you know, not really, we'll just put it in the back of my mind and I'm fully focused on Robbie, you know, like there's no point in thinking about the Josh Taylor fight if you don't beat Robbie Davis on Saturday night because it goes out the window. So fully focused on him and uh, and then we'll be keeping a close eye on the fight the week after. And uh it looks like the winner of this will have the winner of that, so happy days.
0: Final one from me because we've done a lot of talking this week and there's plenty of people waiting to get a word with you. You and I were talking off camera about the difference this fight week. You're not at home. You're not in hotels. You're in Hartlepool, where you've been training away from any distractions. How's that been for you, being up there and sort of being away from everything, really?
5: No, yeah, it's good. Like I say, it's been. It's the first time I've seen my daughter in five days. You know, like just away, away from everyone. You've you've seen funnels patches at a farm, the funnels ranch we call it. It's just away from everywhere, and it's nice, you know, train twice a day back in the house. these house is two two minutes away from the gym. And it's nice and chilled, completely different to last time. And uh, I think we'll be—you'll re- see that on Saturday night.
0: All right, Lewis, pleasure. We'll see you Saturday. Yeah, thank you. This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Bert Fred. We're in Gatehead. We just concluded the Robbie Davis Jr. Lewis Ritten Press Conference. With me, Eddie Hearn. Eddie, first and foremost, welcome back to the great city in the world.
7: Yes, well, it's good to be here. And uh, as always, you know, I, I felt like we might have missed our chance when uh, Lewis lost to Patera. Um, but he's come back, he's battled his way back. And you guys are crazy because you've gone from 7,000, 7,500 to 9,000 sellout for this one. Careful, careful with that one. You're smashing it in my chest. And uh, I can't wait. Great fight, great card, great atmosphere. It's going to be electric.
0: Talk to me about that response because everybody up here today, whether it be you know Fitzgerald, whether it be Ritson himself, was saying, yeah, we've done good tickets. We could have done even more oh, of it. it was possible. Really? Unbelievable response to yeah, And the great thing is, he's not
7: just a lot of Geordie's coming, but 800 from Preston, 1,000 from Liverpool, 300 from Bermondsey. So, fight fans. you know, And I feel like... Doing so many shows in America like we're doing, the difference is is how well educated the fight fans are here. They know not just the main event and the chief support, but the entire fight card. And they'll be coming early to enjoy themselves, have a great time. They respect the matchups and that's why
0: it's sold out so well. I just want to start with the main event, talking about it stylistically. The, c- the common comparison seems to be boxer v. puncher, Robbie Davis the boxer, Lewis Ritson the puncher. That said, would it be foolish to sleep on Robbie's power and to sleep on the boxing ability of Lewis as well? I know him and Neil have been doing a lot of work in that regard.
7: It, it would do, and actually I said in a few interviews that I think the two main fights, both or all four guys, have got to do something differently to what people are talking about. So people are saying about Lewis Ritson, no, he's got the power, he's got to walk him down, he's got to do this. Robbie Davis, he's got to box off the back foot, he's got to counter-punch him. No, they've got to do that, but they've also got to box the other way. Robbie Davis is going to have to stand in the pocket and trade with Lewis Ritson at times. He's going to try and have to hurt him to the body. And by the way, Lewis Ritson's going to have to try and box as well and not just walk into shots and get counter-punched. Same in the fits against Cheeseman fight. You know, People talk about Ted Cheeseman's endurance and his work rate. That's not going to be enough against Fitzgerald. He's going to have to show something else. And uh, great matchups. And, and the main event, you know, I think right now, it couldn't fit better with the huge show next week with Progress Against Taylor. This is a WBA World Title Eliminator. They'll be looking at the winner of next week. And
0: the winner of this fight is going, going to really change the direction of their career. Now the atmosphere we expect on Saturday night will be what you could describe as emotional. There's lots of scousers coming down. It'll be full of Geordies as well. I spoke to Lewis earlier in the week about the importance of discipline, retaining a game plan. That said, with that atmosphere, do you think there's a good chance game plans will go out the window Saturday night? I think he's, uh, I
7: think he's matured as a fighter. You know, when you receive a loss like that, you know, I remember being in the change room after the Patera fight. It was quite a lonely place. Like everyone sort of cleared out, and I remembered the change room after the Highland fight, and it was buzzing. So he's been through that, you know, he would have had that feeling of, oh, maybe people don't support me as much anymore, and, but they have. And, they, and this is his second bite of the cherry. And uh, I feel like Robbie Davis Jr. is almost like zen-like in the build-up to this fight. You see by his social media stuff, very mentally focused. In fact, if I was Lewis, I'd probably be trying to get into him a little bit, of these pressers and the weighing, because I want to unsettle him, because he seemed very calm today. And I think he would have left this presser, you know, great noise, but a lot of respect. Going back to the hotel, going, job done there, two days to go. So, you know, there, there was a lot of respect all round because I think both guys want to conserve their energy.
0: Cheeseman Fitzgerald, British title, been touted as one of the best domestic fighters of the year. Stylistically, is there any way we can get anything other than an absolute barnstormer? Well, I, I don't want to
7: curse it because I once said that Martin Murray against Gabe Rosado would be one of the great wars of all time, and it wasn't. But this will be one of the great wars of all time. Um, you know, I think you, you look at Fitzgerald's got great power, Fitzgerald's got great boxing ability both very good amateurs Fitz won a gold in the Commonwealth Games Cheeseman won many ABAs Um, I just feel that Cheeseman has great championship experience and I think that when this fight was made I think Fitz was the favourite but I think Cheeseman you know you can't rule out his work rate his ability and I think you know he can box but he's got to show that I think if he boxes how he did against Kieran Conway he will lose this fight but I think if he can box how he did against Darren Byfield he might win this fight
0: do you think it makes Ted a more dangerous fighter, given the pressure I know he's putting himself this week going? I know he thought he won the Conway fight, but he had the Garcia defeat as well. He's put the pressure on himself to say, I, this is my time, I need to do this to push on from domestic level.
7: Yeah, well, he needs to do this to, what you just said, push on from domestic level. We know that he's a very good domestic light middleweight. I believe he's got more ability than that, but he's got to show it in fights like this. And these are the kind of fights that can change your career. If you get a massive win at domestic level, you know, all of a sudden it can completely change the path. So... He, he needs to win badly. So does Fitz. You know, this is the difference between being a domestic fighter and moving on to bigger things.
0: Seems like we're always talking about what's next. With the main event, we know it's now WBA final eliminator for the winner of eliminator, not final rather, my apologies, ahead of next week's clash between Josh Taylor, Regis Progray. Not r- unrealistic to say that we could see them, guy, any of those four in together going into next year. Huge incentive for those yeah, guys Saturday night. hundred percent, especially if Josh Taylor wins.
7: Because Josh Taylor against Lewis Ritson or Robbie Davis Jr. is a great first defence for him as a unified world champion. So, uh, a lot to play for.
0: Now, one thing I wanted to touch on, Eddie, obviously horrible news that broke last night. Um, Patrick Day passed away, sadly, after the injuries he sustained in Chicago last weekend. I think it's fair to say nobody that steps into the boxing ring shouldn't be able to go and see their family Mm -hmm. afterwards. Huge loss for the boxing world, but more importantly, a huge loss for his loved ones as well.
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing makes it... uh Nothing makes the news better, and, and you know the, the saying goes that boxing saves many more lives than it, than it takes, and that's true, but it doesn't make it any easier. You know, I met this kid for 30 seconds of my life, and last night I was in pieces because I remembered the conversation. You know, and I remember the positivity that he had, I remember the smile that he had, I remember how happy he was. He loved the sport of boxing. He was absolutely, 100% living his dream. He didn't need to box. He came from a very good family. He was well-educated. But he loved to box. It was what he loved to do. Um, But again, even that doesn't really give you the comfort. There's nothing really that can explain the sport of boxing. You know, it's very difficult in this instance to, to justify it. But we know that, you know, it is a great sport and we know that we're having a bad spell at the moment. You know, the medical situation for fighters is improving. It is evolving. But we've had a terrible four months where we've lost four fighters. And, and again it's brutal for everybody. You know, I mean, again, I knew him for thirty seconds. Think of his family. You know, think of his trainer and manager and friend Joe Higgins, Luda Bella, who it was his fight. He had two fighters in that fight. Think of Charles Conwell. You know, and when you read the responses of people who talk about Patrick Day, it shows you what a great man he was and how much positivity He bred into people's lives. So we have to do two things. Number one is we keep having to evolve and protect fighters and not take them for granted as fans and as people who work in the business. And number two, we have to make sure that the name of Patrick Day lives on. You know, everything that he believed in, everything that he loved about the sport, we need to keep that that flame burning. And,
0: uh, you know, it's just devastating news. And, um, of course, our thoughts are with his family and friends. I know it'll seem insignificant based on what we just spoke on, but on that bill in Chicago, Alexander Usyk, heavyweight debut, beat Chaz Witherspoon. In many ways, a classic Usyk performance. Took a couple of rounds to get settled in. Just went through the gears and was quite simply too good. What do you make of his performance?
7: Yeah, I thought it was good. He wanted rounds. and I thought Chaz Witherspoon was good as well. You know, came in at late notice. Big heavyweight, over 17 stone, technically good. So, still some questions, you know, will Usyk have the power to KO the big heavyweights? Can he sustain the power? Got hit a few times and like he's... He's given away 30-odd pounds or 35 pounds, so it's not going to be easy. We know that Usyk is a world-class fighter, pound-for-pound pound great, and you're going to see him in some huge heavyweight fights in 2020.
0: In keeping with the heavyweight theme, Martin McCauley out at Newcastle this Saturday. A bit of a nightmare. I believe his opponent got cut with just a yes, few surprise, days to go. Yes. In comes the kingpin. No yes. surprises what to expect no, Saturday night. People were pleased. I mean, Kevin Johnson's a, a
7: great lad, great personality, and he'll probably try and fiddle his way through eight rounds and give Martin some rounds. Martin will be trying to get him out of there. Not many have done. I think AJ was the the fastest of recent times and obviously you saw him go 10 rounds with Dubois and big punches. So, good to get some rounds in and always an interesting interview for you with with the Kingpin. Now, we saw Bivol out last weekend as well. I think it's tomorrow we have Kvoznik-Biterbiev. Any qualms of putting him in with the winner? No, he has to. You know, He has to have that kind of fight. Maybe the winner of Canelo against uh, Kovalev or the winner of Betubiev against Godziks. That's the kind of fight that Bivol needs now.
0: We, we heard the response when he got out of the ring. He was very comfortable in there last week, but maybe he didn't quite push on, maybe because he didn't need to necessarily. Do you think he needs that big fight for us to see the best of him in a way? Yeah,
7: we do, but also because he was a Russian fighting in front of 8,000 Ukrainians. So they were booing him from start to finish. Technically excellent. Sometimes a little bit of that style from his coach where you don't have to take too many chances. When you've got a fighter coming at him, But <laughs> like I have to say the better be Bivol fight is a brilliant fight. So great fights to be made. And listen, Joshua is
0: on the heels of these guys as well. We know you've been flying through the purse bids recently. You didn't need it. Josh Kelly's going to be challenging for the European title against Avanissian. Talk to me about that fight. When can we expect it?
7: Um, trying to lock up the date. Not easy because we don't have many dates this year. But both up for the fight. Both agreed to the fight. It's a great fight. I want it to headline because I think it's Josh Kelly's breakout fight. But what a run Avanissian's on. You know, he's going to be full of confidence. And uh, Kelly is going to be a, a brilliant upcoming fight on Sky Sports.
4: I think this is
0: almost a better sell now than what it was when it was first meant to take place, given the recent form of both? You've got the bad blood,
7: you know, you've got the this happened, that happened, and you've got the run of Avanissian, who now you have to believe in as a world-class welterweight. And I believe Josh Kelly has the skills and is a world-class welterweight as well, and I think it's a brilliant match-up.
0: Final thing I wanted to touch on before I let you go, Eddie, there's a lot of people waiting here to speak to you. One thing a lot of people have been asking us about this week is the visa situation ahead of the Joshua Ruiz rematch in Saudi Arabia. At the initial press conference, it sounded like that you'd be issued a visa alongside purchase of a ticket. Now it seems that they're separate entities and you will have to pay out to get that visa separately. Could you just clarify that?
7: Um, I'm not involved in the ticketing. I don't run the visas for Saudi, but I, I, I do know that when you get a ticket, you qualify for a visa. They have put a charge on that visa. Um... The process is quite straightforward, and uh, I think there's about 6,000 fans booked up already for, for on the British side. So it's really a case of us communicating to the people who are in charge of the visas and the tickets, and make sure that fans are aware of the situation. So um, huge, huge uh, support so far. We thank everybody for coming, and we look forward to a big fight in Saudi. Eddie, final
0: word to you. What do we see Saturday night? Newcastle yeah. packed arena, oh, see, chaos. Yeah, you see a,
7: an amazing, amazing atmosphere, a great fight card, and hopefully. We get two instant all British classics.
0: Eddie, thank you very much. Think to Box and Social.
8: This is Rob Tebbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Joined here again today by WBA World Super Lightweight Champion Regis Prograe. We're
6: here following your media workout. Regis, how you doing? I'm doing perfect, perfect, fine, perfect, everything, all that, all the good stuff. How was that uh, media workout for you? You're looking
8: in tremendous shape.
6: Yeah, man. Um, like I said, man, I'm kind of getting, you know, I'm kind of getting that itch now. I'm getting antsy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to go. Even though we are nine days away, but. Like, I'm getting that itch right now and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm ready.
8: Is that normal for you? Do you sort of take, is it nine, ten days out, a couple of weeks out, where you start kind of lasering into the fight, or is it yeah. something that happens a little bit more
6: gradually? Um, you know what, it, it's, it's kind of sometimes you're, like, really ready. Like, when I started camp, I was, like, super ready. And then, you know, you kind of go down and up and down and up. But, like, this is the last, you know, the last ten days. So, this really, you know, get super focused. Like, you know, that real tunnel vision.
8: I watched an interview that you did the other day where you spoke about potentially 135 pounds. No, I
6: didn't say that. Somebody else said I would never go to 135. Somebody asked me if I can go to 135. I said, no, I would never go to 135. I'm only going up, not down. So, no, totally false. It
8: seemed very confusing to me because I know you boxed, very he- you boxed heavier as an amateur and obviously the glamour fights are, yeah, you boxed at 152 as an amateur and the, the glamour fights are 147. Where I was going with that is Josh Taylor is a big 140 pounder. Do, do you anticipate size being a factor in this fight, both good or bad for yourself?
6: Not really. Um, if anything is good for me, I think, you know, um, I always had, really if you look at most of my opponents, they've all been bigger than me, you know, like, um, Undango, he's of course he's not Josh Taylor, but he was actually bigger than Josh Taylor. He was taller than him. He had an aqua style and stuff like that too. So, I mean, nah, I don't, I don't think um, size never made a difference to me anyway. I always fought people bigger than me. So that's just how, that's just my role basically in boxing. Role. I always fought people bigger than me. You go into this fight, you're a, you're a favorite with the
8: bookmakers over here, which um, certain people are surprised. Some people not. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you went this as
6: as a favorite? No telling, man. Um, I don't know maybe they saw the way I trained maybe they saw my knockout power um, no telling you know but I, I always thought I always thought I was the favourite anyway you know. Even if, I, even if the bookmakers had me not the favourite I always thought I was the favourite anyway I just think my style will give him fits
8: I just want to talk about something that's away from the fight of obviously coming up next weekend we were unfortunate to wake up to news this morning about uh, Patrick Day unfortunately lost his life uh, in a tragic battle with Charles Conwell this
6: past weekend um, just your comment on that it's sad, man. You know, I know um, everybody's saying the same word, it's sad, but it is. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's a, um, it's a tragedy. You know, when, sometimes, you know, I think that, when, when I hear about that, I, I think about why do I do it, you know, because um, nobody that steps in the ring think it's going to happen to them. Nobody. You know, they wouldn't, of course, if they thought that was going to happen, they wouldn't do it, basically, you know, so nobody thinks that it's, it can happen to them, and I always, I question whether this is the right sport for me, too, sometimes, but then, I know how good I am. At the same time, you know, it happens to a lot of people that um, you know, I think take a lot of punishment and you know those type of things. But even if you don't take punishment, all it takes is one blow. And so, of course, sometimes I think, you know, you know, why do I, why am I in this sport? Because it is such a dangerous sport. But every day I wake up and it's something that I love to do. You know, um, I always say that, like, I rather die doing something that I love to do. You know, now of course not saying that I would necessarily want to die in a boxing ring, of course not, you know, I got family, I got kids, I got a lot of people that depend on me and love me, but as a fighter, when you get in the ring, it's, I know my mindset, and I was, I was saying this, I was touching on this a little earlier to where I know I won't stop, like, it's like you really have to like you have to kill me and, and even saying these words, it sounds crazy to me coming out my own mouth, listen, coming out my mind, listening to them. It sounds crazy, but I know how I am in the ring and most fighters, they have that in their heart to where uh, you, you're not going to stop me. Like you have to kill me to defeat me, you know? And and that's just kind of how my, you know, that's kind of how my mindset is too. It's the same way to where uh, it's nothing, it's nothing you're going to do to me that's going to make me stop. Like even in sparring sometimes, it's like, even if, even if I'm getting hit with big punches, I still think like you you're not gonna stop me It's nothing you're gonna do to stop me you have to kill me and i mean that's just the fighter's heart you know it's the it's the fighter's mentality it's the fighter's heart to so what we think like that's how we have to be and it kind of it kind of is and it, it's kind of not it i mean it depends on the, it depends but like i said it's it's speaking on um you know patrick days it's a it's definitely a tragedy pray for him his family you know um i don't know if he had any kids or anything like that but even if no kids now You still got a mom and dad. You got a lot of people that love you, and it's um, it's a it's a tragedy and it's very very sad that you know that that happened.
8: I mean, when something like that happens less than two weeks out from your own fight, and it's the biggest fight of your career. Do you have to try and block that out,
6: or or, do, or does it
8: affect you? What what kind of impact does that have on your thought process?
6: It doesn't affect me as far as that goes now nah, it doesn't you know like I said when I when I step in the ring it's the same thing and I like I said I know I sound crazy saying it but when I step in the ring it's the same thing with me like you kind of got to kill me to make me stop basically um but it doesn't like I said it doesn't affect me and sometimes I question whether it's the right you know this is you know this is what I really should be doing but for me I love the sport you know that's the, that's the main thing I just really love this sport and I know how good I am. And for me, the sky is the limit. So, of course, you know, all I can do is, you know, ask God to, to protect me and, you know, my opponent, and that's, that's it, and then after that, you leave it in um, God's hands.
8: Moving away from your fight on October the 26th, I mean, talk about preparation for this fight. Josh Taylor, very tall, very long, very fast, Southport. How difficult was it to find sparring partners for this fight?
6: Well, honestly, it wasn't at all. Uh, one of my sparring partners was, a, um, you know, a, a, a 50, I think, he's a 54-pounder. He's an Olympian, super good. I have I actually sparred with him for the Terry Flanagan fight. He got me ready, uh, real aqua style, and, you know, um, he pushes the hell out of me. And then another of my sparring partners right there, Austin Williams, you know. Um, he's a 60-pounder, super. He's definitely bigger than Josh Taylor. He's definitely stronger than Josh Taylor. Guarantee he's faster than Josh Taylor and he's young and he's strong and I've been sparring him and I know you know if I'm sparring somebody like him you know I don't know if y'all seen him fight and stuff like that but that dude is explosive and on top of that he fights at 160 pounds so it wasn't for me it was it was you know we, we I brought I ain't have to look for nobody here I brought him I brought him over here and then of course on top of that he's fighting on the undercard, so it was it was like perfect.
8: Have you found adjusting to obviously the time difference, the weather, you, you, you've, you yeah, <laughs> it, it's just not quite what you've grown accustomed to, how was that for you, obviously travelling for the biggest fight of your career, was there an initial adjustment
6: period? Yeah, of course. At first, um, yeah, we. I mean, the main thing was the time, the time difference, you know, because I live in I live in LA now, so it's an eight-hour difference. So you talking about, you know, when it's I'm talking to, I'm talking to my family and stuff, my kids and stuff like that. When it's it's nighttime over here, they just getting up and stuff. Not just getting up, but you know, they it's daytime over there, it's early for them, and um, of course and vice versa. So when I'm getting up, they sleeping. Um, so of course my body was adjusting to that, and it it, it did it, it messed with me for. Um, it messed with my body for about five, six days, but of course I've been here longer than now, so I'm I'm totally adjusted now, but that's why I made sure I came over here early. So the weather, you know, the food, the culture, the people, and um, of course the time difference, that's why you know, I made that investment, you know, just it was all out of my own pocket, I made that investment to come over here early. And that's what I did, and I'm, I'm glad I did it.
8: You mentioned the food, how have you found the food?
6: Mm. It's not like New Orleans food, <laughs> I'll tell you that, but we, we actually, we actually found some good place to eat though to be honest yeah we actually found some good place to eat like that so um the food you know the food is the food was good you know the food was good
8: now i know obviously you're from uh, originally from new orleans um I was speaking to people about the fact that you were coming over for the World Boxing Super Series. A colleague of mine caught up with you in New York. Did a fantastic interview where you spoke about, obviously, Hurricane Katrina and the effects of that. So I won't go into that today purely because it's already available on Boxing Social for people who want to have a look at it. But just tell me, if you can, kind of the differences between New Orleans and obviously you moved to Houston and then L.A. and now you're in London. Yeah, yeah, you're a bit yeah. of a nomad. You, you kind of make your house
6: your home, as it were. I go everywhere, you know. I'm, just, I'm totally adjustable. I can do anything first of New Orleans will always be my home. My, most of my family live there. Most of my close friends, they all live in New Orleans. Um, so that will always be home. Every, after every fight, even before after every fight, before every fight, I go to, the, you know, I go I go back home. I go to New Orleans. But um it's it's no it's a city like no other. In New Orleans, it's a lot of culture, the food, the people. It's just I mean, it's it's a it's definitely a great city. Um and Houston is Houston is the same way. It it, it doesn't have the culture like New Orleans, but Houston, for me, for a long time, that was home, in Houston, um, you know, I still love Houston, most likely, I'll, I'll be buying a house in Texas also, and, you know, now I live in sunny L.A., so, um, L.A. is, honestly, L.A. is like a, a dream city, really, you know, it's, it's just, um, is everything is everything that's like it's really like living on vacation like i'm i'm like i free dive and stuff like that now and and all that stuff so the ocean is like right in my backyard at malibu is probably like 20 minutes from my house um i live in the hills i run up the mountains and all that type of stuff i mean you just the weather's beautiful all the time you know it's it's, it's perfect living though to be honest when people say i mean considering the fact that you've gone
8: from you've gone from new orleans to houston to la box around the world as an amateur did it make you laugh that people were suggesting the fact that you were scared to come over here to fight josh taylor
6: definitely that was a big laugh for me you know and people was like yeah i was scared and at the time so you know all the stuff that went on with the wbss and at the time it was going through like litigation so my lawyer was like sorry you can't say nothing like people was writing me in my dms and you scared you shit your pants and all that it was like i just got to read it and i'm a talker so for me i have to reply to stuff and so I just, I couldn't, I couldn't. So the main thing to get back at everybody, I show you, like, I'm here. It wasn't no way I was shying. And, you know, if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't I wouldn't have came as early as I came. I would have came here two days before the fight, um, like Baranchek did, and get the fight over with and get out of there. But me, I made sure, I'm staying, matter of fact, I'll be here for a month because after the fight, I'm staying here for like five more days after that. So I made sure, you know, it, it just let people know it's, it's no it's no such thing as me being scared of nobody, you know. Like I'm I'm here, but at the time you know, people people saying all kinds of stuff. Josh was talking all kinds of shit. Talking, I was scared of him and all that stuff because of you know because of the stuff that went on with the WBSS But I just, for me, I always told him I want to fight him. That was always my thing. I knew I want to fight you. It's no other. It's no other fight in my career that I want except him. Right now, it's no other fight because we're number one and number two, and we fighting for the Ali Trophy. We fight for the ring belt. We fight for my belt, his belt, and on top of that. I have a personal letter from um, Mauricio Suleiman of the WBC that I have the diamond belt also to where after that, the winner gets, it has a, a mandatory shot at Jose Ramirez. So for me, it's too much on the line. There was no way I was going to shy away from all this stuff. This is a dream fight. This is a dream come true to me. You know, Especially, I always wanted to come fight in the UK. And I feel like after this fight, it's going to be, you know, it'll be superstardom, definitely pound for pound list and superstardom will come next, you know. so you know, let, let everybody talk but now they see i'm here and there's no way i'm shying away from that
8: you mentioned having the wbc diamond and obviously jose ramirez has the full version of wbc josh taylor had the wbc silver for a while so i mean you and him have been linked for a long time i know you've had your kind of little bits and pieces to say on social media but i know josh fairly well i've obviously interviewed you a few times now there seems to be definitely a big respect
6: there between the two of you do you think that's fair to say yeah of course i i, I respect anybody you know i mean he's a he's a I always say he's the best in the world at 140. After me, I feel like he was the best. Even before the tournament was announced, even before we fought our fights, I still felt like he was the best. Nothing's really changed, you know? I felt like I was number one, he was number two, Ramirez was number three, and Hooker was number four. Um, And to me, honestly, nothing has changed. I still feel like it's the same order right now. So, but yeah, it's it's definitely a big respect for Josh. He's a world champion. You don't get to be a world champion for nothing. He's fought, you know, he's fought some good opponents. He's fought same thing like me former world champions, world champions, undefeated fighters, and we beat all of them, you know, so I definitely respect them, of course. I, I know I, I respect anybody that gets in this ring. You spoke about the fact
8: that when you were last over, you watched the Baron Chick fight in Glasgow. Uh, partisan atmosphere. I remember you standing on your chair and really lapping it up, which made me made me laugh. Um, are you excited now to be over here and to, to perform in that kind of bare pet atmosphere as the away fighter?
6: Yeah, I, I, I like I said, man, I always want to come over here. You know, it's a lot of even looking at like Errol Spence you know he came over here he broke that superstar that mold when he fought Carol Brooke over here you know I think I feel like you not even that you have to come over here but for me I like as a world champion I feel like world champion mean world fight all over the world and that's kind of always what I want to do I always told myself when I get a world title, I'm going to fight all over the world. I know I'm going to fight all over the world. So, of course, this fight could have been anywhere, but they told me it's going to be here. So I, I said, yeah. They, they, they actually gave me a, a, a few other places, and I felt like this was actually like the best place to fight right now. Especially in my career, I feel like this is the best place to fight. It's going to be packed. Um, so I jumped at the opportunity.
8: Final word on uh, two people who aren't here today as far as I can see, but I know they look after you in your career, Pete Berg and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about them and what Mark, kind of influence. Saturday.
6: Mark, Mark is he, um he'll be here Saturday, so we're actually going to go do something Saturday. Um, and Pete, Pete will be here I think next Wednesday, next Thursday, something like that, in the week. Yeah. What kind of control do
8: they have over your career? What kind of influence do they have over your career?
6: Um, well, as far as right now, I'm, of course, I'm with a, um, a company called Churchill Management. Um, but Sam is—he he, does—he's the worker. He does all the work. Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg—they have, of course, they—they're big names and stuff like that. But Sam—he does all—he does, you know, he does a majority of the work. But they just have—they have the the star power, the superstar power. And of course, it's always for me—I sign with them just because, first off, they're good people, you know, to be honest. And like from New Orleans, like that's what we like about people. I like. I don't care about how much money you got and How famous you are None of that stuff I don't care about If you're a piece of shit as a person I don't care about being around you So when I met them When I met Pete Pete was just a real down the earth person Same thing with Wahlberg You know just a real cool person Just you know we kick it And have fun and laugh And stuff like that So that's kind of You know that's why You know that's why I signed with Churchill Just just because of the attitudes and stuff And then of course I see You know they can do other things for me um, they, can do, they can do more things for me And, and really blow my name up and all I gotta do is keep taking care of business in the ring, and you know they can handle the rest.
8: Maybe a future movies.
6: I already did two movies. Wee. I did two movies. Um, I did um, it's a movie called Bayou Caviar. It's a low budget film, but Cuba Gooding Jr. is the he. That was his first movie that he acted and directed it. So I'm in that movie, and then it's a movie we got coming out called Wonderland. Mark Wahlberg. It didn't come out yet. It didn't come out in um, 2020. On Netflix, I think, and so we are—we already shot that and stuff. But Mark Wahlberg, he's the main character. So I, yeah, I did the movies already, but I'm not right now. I'm not into the movie thing. It's—it's it's just um, a—it's it's a. It's a People think it's easy, but it's a long job. It's a very, very hard and long job. I can feel for them dudes, so nah, I can't do it. Or
8: well, maybe sometime in the future. Uh Regis Prograde, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. As always, real pleasure to catch up with you. Um, I will see you next week in Fight Week.
6: Yeah, thank you. And make sure everybody, you can, if you want to see all the like behind the scenes footage and stuff, I have a YouTube page. You can go to uh, Regis, Regents Ru Boxing and all that, like the behind the scenes the camp. Like it's we call it the road to London. You can go watch it on there. So and we have some. We had some real fun moments, especially in L.A., so you'll see. And here. Thanks very much, Regis. Cool. Thank you. Thanks.